the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 415 for Monday, September 3rd, 2012. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where often you send in questions, often we answer those questions. Often you send in tips, often we share those tips, but tonight it's all about cool stuff found and of course our overall mission of learning at least a little something new about the Mac and Apple products every time we come together. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in Fairfield, Connecticut, John F. Braun. That's right. And uh, so you said in the intro, John, what is absolutely correct that this show is for Monday, September 3rd, but we're actually recording it on Thursday, August 30th. I believe this will mark the first time that we've pre-recorded a show by more than, you know, <laughs> 10 minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're all pre-recorded. Let's 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 face it. Right. But uh, just keep our schedule on track and we've got some travel and Monday night when we could normally record the show when we're back from our travels. Uh, we're going to be rolling out the new Mac Observer Front end and back end. So uh, so it's going to be a busy night. So figured we'd be safer if we had one in the can, as it were. And that's what we're doing here. A little bit of cool stuff found. How you doing, John? Great. I'm going to start. Go. One? Yeah, go. All right. So this is when I was putting together the show here. And so now there's contributions uh, in the uh, chat room with the uh, IRC that we're running here. And I'm like, wow, how can I record these for later but do it very quickly and uh, i didn't even think of it and you know this dave but someone may not know this but at least in this client here so i believe this is an os level thing or maybe it's an application level thing so basically i hovered over url for one of the products that was mentioned uh, that we're going to mention later yep and click on it and then drag it to the desktop what happens is it creates a uh, i think a web loc file if it's a url so if it's a HTTP colon slash slash, then it makes a special type of file versus I think like a, like normally if you, if you try to do this, you usually get a text clipping, which is kind of a weird, uh, well, not too weird, but it's just, it's text that you can use elsewhere. I, I, it, I, I seem to re- remember getting, getting upset sometimes because I, I can't do certain things with the text clipping that I, I would expect to do, but at least with the URL, you drag it to the desktop and then the icon even shows, it shows an at sign and HTTP. Right. And I think that type of file is actually portable between different OSs and then it'll see a weblock file and you click on it and it opens your preferred browser and then you're on a website. But this is the quickest way for me to drag something and just, you know, it's like, I don't want to deal with typing or even cutting and pasting. I'm just going to drag it to desktop. Yeah, so. that's right. Yeah, I've been cutting and pasting. And of course, I, I, I do want to extend a warm welcome to everyone in the uh, in the chat room off schedule tonight. Uh, we've got a pretty full chat room considering that it's an odd night for us. MacGeekGab.com slash stream anytime we're recording, which typically is Sunday nights at about, you know, 845 to 9 Eastern is when we start. So welcome to everybody in the chat room. And those of you that are in the chat room, this is cool stuff found. Submit what you got. We'll go ahead and read them in the uh, in the show if we uh, if we can make time. We'll see. uh, We'll see how we do. So cool. All right. Well, that yeah, that's a good little trick. I like that, John. Let's. uh Cool stuff found is often 
referred to as the most expensive episode anyone ever listens to because we talk about stuff and then you're, you know, you're just driven to go out and buy it. Um, so I figured we'd start with a couple that are free. In fact, you don't even have to go get them because they're right there on your computer. Paul helps us with the first one. He says it may be worth pointing out that in Mountain Line, there's a quick and easy way to access the Wi-Fi diagnostics app. Uh, you can hold down the option key while clicking on the Wi-Fi status icon to choose Wi-Fi diagnostics. However, the functionality of the app appears to have changed since 10.7. Rather than providing real-time graphs of network activity, the Mountain Line version builds diagnostic reports in the background and then puts them on the desktop. So that's right there, right there in the menu bar if you've got Wi-Fi rolling. So that's a free one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go right into a second one, John. Digital color meter. This has been in uh, in every version of Mac OS 10 that I can remember. It uh, it lives in your utilities folder. So applications, utilities, and it's the handiest little tool when you're working. Uh, you know, I am not a graphic artist, John, but occasionally I find myself in Photoshop or something and I need to match a color that I have like on the Web or or in in some other document. And, and I need to match it and then, and then get it in the, uh, you know, and then I type the little color things in digital color meter is built exactly for that. You launch the app and then just anywhere your mouse is, it zooms in and shows you exactly what colors are there. And you can sort of move your mouse around and make sure that you get right to what you want, but it works on any window on the screen. It even works on the menu bar. So if you got to match a color from the menu bar or whatever, it's totally fine. Just go up there. And uh, you can choose all kinds of different formats. You can choose RGB, you know, um, there's three different RGB formats you can choose. And, uh, and you can also have it in native values. It's awesome. So digital color meter right there on your Mac. You ever use that one, John? When I've needed to, yeah. So it, it'll help break down like the RGB or CYMK or whatever yeah. codes you need in order to, or, or yeah, to, to understand what makes a color a color. Right. right. It's composed usually of other colors, three or four, typically. Yeah. I dig it. I got some free ones, too. You want to take one? Well, um, I was going to mention it, but I think we should go back and forth. We should alternate just, just to, to provide some balance. Of course. Universe here. But um, another thing that you can use, though, though I'm going to add a little imbalance. So one thing that I like is Wireshark. Wireshark is described as the world's foremost network protocol analyzer, and I would tend to agree. So it's great for monitoring all sorts of traffic. Um, just fire it up and point it towards your Ethernet interface, uh, and, and there you go, or whatever interface you're hooked up to, and uh, you'll, you'll, you'll see lots of stuff. It, it can be fun. And then the second thing I want to add to that, because I actually was using that to help diagnose this uh, printing issue that I had. Yeah. And that's one that uh, it comes pre-compiled, but it's called Nmap. And it's huh? a nice, quick little command line tool. And the thing that I like about it, so it's a network, uh, you could describe it as a security scanner, but I think it's just a, a nice port scanner. So what you can do with it, and, and it does network and that, mapping. And you said, so. you said Nmap, so that's four characters, right? Uh, it, November, yes. Mike, Alpha, Papa? If you want to put it that way, yes. Okay. <laughs> and then typically you do space and then the IP address or ranges and then maybe a space and then a dash V for verbose. 
Okay. The thing I like is that it can, so it can do two interesting things. I don't remember the switches off the top of my head, but one, it can probe a computer and based on how it responds to certain Ethernet packets, it can take a guess at the OS, uh, which is kind of neat. I think fingerprinting is what it's called. And the other thing yeah. is you can do a port scan of another machine. And I actually did this with my printer because I was wondering what network ports it had open uh, via TCP IP to connect to because different printing protocols leave different ports open. And I checked it and it had, I think it was Telnet was open, which I didn't expect. Um, the LPR port 500 something, and then another one like 3300 or something like that. Another uh, PIP based way of, of printing the things. I like Telnet because this printer I actually forgot. I had forgotten that I can Telnet into it and interact with the PostScript interpreter, which is kind of <laughs> way too geeky for That's anybody cool. to do. I mean, why would you want to Telnet to your printer and issue, issue PostScript commands? I don't know. Hey, look, somebody's got to do it. <laughs> so Wireshark and Nmap. Cool. All right. Uh, a follow up from one that uh, Pilot Pete, he's not here, but uh, but we actually he he left us a couple of uh, of cool things found before he headed off, I think, to Phoenix tonight. But uh, but a follow up to one of his in a previous show, David writes in show 411, you mentioned hitting shift question mark or question mark to show keyboard shortcuts in Gmail right there on the web interface. Uh I've been using them a long time and I find it's a huge time saver. Something else that might interest you and your listeners, custom keyboard shortcuts, but you have to enable them. Go into Gmail settings, go to the labs menu and choose custom keyboard shortcuts to enable it. This will let you remap the shortcuts to whatever keys work for you. I've remapped a few that I use all the time and I find it's a big help. Awesome, David. That's uh, that's good stuff. Custom keyboard, custom. Uh, you say it. Uh, let's see. And then Greg, we got a good one from Greg here. I like this. Greg says, uh, he sent us a link triviaware.com slash Mac process slash all, which of course will be in the show notes. It is a description of Mac OS 10 processes by name. So have you ever been in the activity monitor and you see some process running, but you're not sure what it does? Well, you can go here and uh, and this is a list that uh, I think a lot of people are actually keeping up to date. So uh, it's good stuff. You know, might might help you at least narrow down what something might be might be right there uh, for Mac OS 10. So description of the processes. I like that one. That's good, John. Might help me figure out what calendar agent is and why it wants to chew up all my CPU. But this isn't a this isn't that show. This is cool stuff found, or at least this segment is. Got anything for me, John? Something from the chat room you want to take, or uh, or am I going to keep going here while you while you process? Um, in the back of my mind, was it? I almost seem to remember Rubbernet being able to do that too. If you highlighted a process, it would bring up a man page or additional information. Oh, that's interesting. That. Well, you know, you mentioned Rubbernet, so we might as well. We've mentioned it before, but it can be certainly a cool stuff found reprise. Uh, you want to tell them what Rubbernet is, John? Yes. Sorry. I'm sorry. Bopping between machines here. Ah, okay. Like Rubbernet. Oh, gosh. No, of course it's not there. Why would it be? <laughs> it's rubbernetapp.com is where it lives. That's the problem. You going to tell them what it does? Well, I think. Once now, do you not use it, it regularly? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I don't. But if uh, if I recall, it basically will will show you on a per application basis, uh, or or the the main feature to me is that on a per application basis, it will show you how much bandwidth a particular application is using, which is not normally available. 
Normally you see, you can see, you know, by various tools, either an activity monitor or ISTAT menus or stuff. Typically you see it as an aggregation. Oh, okay. Well, you're consuming this much up or down bandwidth. This uh, drills down to the next level. Yeah. So I, I find it really handy. It's uh, it does require you to install a, a, a little demon that runs in the background all the time in order for it to collect this data. But I have, I have not yeah, demon, demon, potato, potato. Uh, I have not had any trouble with that running in the background. In fact, I, I forgot that I had it on one of my machines. Uh, so that, that's actually a good sign. I think when you're not seeing it. So taking one from the chat room here, uh, Mac guy in the chat room mentioned, uh, cloud FTP from hyper Mac, uh, the, the 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 blurb about it says make any USB storage device wireless. Everything you need to connect USB data with your iPad, iPhone, and more. And yes, it works. I use it while traveling to catch up on TV shows and movies on my iPad that I did not get from iTunes. So you can, I guess you're you're streaming stuff from this thing to your iTunes uh, or to your to your i device. Essentially, it's external storage for your iDevice that you can't have because you can't plug external storage in and use it. So that's pretty cool. And uh, and I believe it is ninety nine ninety five. So that's the one that starts the show getting expensive. But, you know, we got to do what we got to do. Cloud FTP. Cool stuff. That's what we're doing here. And that's from the chat room. Thank you very much. I got one that's only 20 bucks. Go. Well, I just had a couple delivered. I hinted at it last time, but now I received them and I plugged them in and they work great. Uh, Monoprice had a uh, special on uh, a eight, a six or eight port. I'll have to double check here. Uh, gigabit switches. Oh. Works great because I was running out because there are only three on my airport uh, or, or my time capsule. And I don't think they've expanded that, have they? I mean, there's one WAN no. port and three LAN ports. That's right. Okay, that's still the case. All right, well, that wasn't enough. That's, well, if there is one more, it's only one more. Um, I'll check that for you. Keep, keep talking about these things. Well, basically, I got it. Uh, $20 um, has all the ports I think I'll ever need and basically just took the uh, output of one of the LAN ports on the uh, time capsule and plugged it into the switch. And that's, that's kind of how switches are supposed to work. That's how and it's supposed to light. work. Well, the cool part, and also the kind of cool part, just, just to give me a gentle reminder that I need to get with the program, is that the connect light, so it indicates the, the speed. So if it's gigabit, it glows green. If it's 100 or 10 base T, it glows yellow. And um, a couple of devices I have make it glow yellow or amber or whatever you want to call it. Just to remind me, John, you're not quite with it, man. Right. <laughs> and that you have old peripherals that aren't gigabits. So that's right. Stop it. <laughs> and then the lights flicker if there's activity. So, it, uh, but it, hey, it does the trick uh, for 20 bucks. I'm like, how can you go wrong? I think before you had to buy like 50 of them to get that pricing. And uh, for at least the foreseeable future, they have it where you can buy one at that price. Oh, I'm sorry. Five limit five at that price. Okay. That's pretty good. Cause I paid, and that's an eight port switch. I paid, uh, I have all Netgear uh, gigabit switches and well, I'm, I'm looking at an old order here. I thought I bought them more recently than that from, Oh no, I bought some D link switches last year and they now are 40 bucks for an eight port D link switch. And I think I forget what I paid for them. I'm looking. Amazon has that great thing where you can look up orders. Yeah. I paid 40 bucks for them last year. So 20 bucks. That's, 
that's half price, man. That's good stuff. And did you, uh, did you t- check the bandwidth through them just to make sure that they're, you know, actually going to pump data at gigabit speeds? Uh, not yet. Okay. Do you know, you know how to do that? Oh, I'm trying to remember the name. I, to, uh, I use, I use a, ut- well, there's a command line utility called iperf, I-P-E-R-F. That, that's it. But uh, if you don't want to muck with the command line, and the command line can be handy, especially if you're at one Mac and you want to open a terminal window and SSH into another and control it all from one place, command line's awesome. But otherwise, uh, if you want to have some prettier pictures and actually get some more useful data kind of all at once, jperf is a Java front end to iperf and lets you do some graphing and some really cool stuff. And there is jperf for the Mac. So uh, we will put that up in the show notes too. See, this is good. Doesn't I use Java? Yeah. And Java's bad. No, man. I use use Java all the time. Didn't you just hear that something bad happened with Java? Mm. There's a zero day attack. 1.7. Yeah, that's right. Do you know, what do you know about that zero day attack? Nothing. Just that something bad. No. Is that, um, I think, I think Mike Rose over at, uh, the unofficial Apple weblog or Tua as we call it, uh, basically posted something that, uh, yeah, it's there, but it's not likely to hit Mac users. So oh, did he write this? Yeah, yeah. Mike's our pal. Yeah, although, yeah. yeah, here it is. Java 1.7 zero-day exploit unlikely to impact Mac users. Okay, well, if Mike says it's unlikely, then I, I trust that. I trust Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Usually. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, all right. This is crazy. I have no I have no idea how long we've been going. I know it's not that long. Um, or how long we will go with this show. But, uh, but you know, these, these cool stuff found shows are pretty fast-paced, so... And, uh, and, you know, we're recording it out of sync. So it's just really kind of, we're living in limbo, man. It's awesome. Uh, in the chat room, spam. Uh, yes, that's a, that's a, an actual person from the UK. So it's the, it's the proper spam. Um, tells us about, uh, one of, I assume his, but I might be wrong about that. Could be hers. Uh, finds of cool stuff. And that is a better finder attributes. It's a quick and easy way of changing uh, modified created dates and lots of other things for batches of files. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes. It's actually got a, it's a pretty cool piece of software. They're up to version five. And uh, I'm looking to see if there's a price on this 1495 and you can buy it from the Mac app store too. But uh, it, you can change date and time and you're not just editing it with text. You can use a, a graphical interface and, and, uh, you can do all kinds of things. Oh, so, I remember why I wanted to use this. So go. I've used this in the past. Here's what I used it for. And this is one of the few utilities I found that helped me uh, figure this out. And it's invisibility. It makes you. <laughs> no, it, it lets you remove invisible files or see invisible files in the finder. Uh-huh. And I remember I stumbled across this because I needed to do that. And I don't think we're just talking files with a dot before them that's like the unix invisible this right. is like fi- files can also have an invisible attribute and that's just that's how it is and i so i remember I, and i think i also need to do a batch change and that's the other thing that's really nice about this is it lets you uh, do that in a, a nicer way i think than the finder at least when i looked at it so cool 
Yeah, Spam says uh, it's great for keeping certain things in order if you have to make a change at a later date, but also used for covering one's tracks upon a job that you should have finished a bit earlier than you have uh, in shared folders. A great one to avoid getting caught. Well, that's the that's the spirit. I like that. That's good. (laughs) Good stuff. I had to do that recently. It was funny because I was getting some work from someone else and and it was a questionable as to when it was performed and uh well there were two dates there was the uh you know last modified and then the created date and apparently the created date told all oh oh that's when you really started doing this okay yeah interesting wow that's interesting don't do that that that's just don't try (laughs) don't play with time it's just not gonna that's what we're doing right now we're playing with time it's crazy (laughs) uh you know one thing that plays with time in a good way is uh, a product from our first sponsor for this show, which certainly could qualify as cool stuff found on its own. Uh, Smile Software is the sponsor, our sponsor, and Text Expander is the product, the cool stuff found, if you will. Um, Text Expander is one of those things that I would forget about it if I didn't talk about it all the time because I use it so much, I don't even think about it anymore. Uh, I couldn't possibly live without it on any Mac that I have. The, the idea with text expander is you have things that you need to type over and over again. And instead of typing them over and over again, you store them once into text expander and you assign a really small little snippet. And, uh, and then you just type the small little snippet and off you go. You can have your whole address. Like I have my whole address, which I have to give to people, you know, fairly regularly, and I have it in there as uh, I type comma DH because I'm Dave Hamilton, ADD and uh, and boom, it out comes my address. I even have John Braun. I have JB ADD and boom, out comes his address in case somebody needs to send him, some, him something. I don't need to look it up. I don't need to make sure that what I remembered is correct. I don't need to confirm the zip code. I know it is correct, but it's even smarter than that. Like. You know, I started doing the show notes live here, John, which I really want you to take over, please. Uh, But uh, but I built a little snippet and I do comma SN. But before I do comma SN for show notes, uh, I copy the URL of whatever product I'm mentioning into the clipboard. And then I do comma SN and it builds the HTML that I've told it to build and inserts the uh URL at exactly the right point in the HTML and then moves and positions my cursor at the exactly right point that I want to type in. So I do comma SN and I just start typing and I'm good to go. So it makes it really, really fast to do this. And that's the only way I could do it while we're, you know, in the midst of doing the show and I've got 16 other things going. So text expander four even adds to that allows you to, uh, to have, have variables right inside your snippets. So yeah, you can have the clipboard there, but you could also have um, three or four different things and you can pull them from a dropdown right in the middle of the snippet while you're creating it. And then it creates a text. You can have images in your snippets. I do it all the time. Uh, Couldn't live without it. Text expander at smilesoftware.com. There is a free trial there and then you can buy it for 35 bucks and save a nickel 3495 us. Ready to move on, John. Yeah. All right. I will uh, do Pam and then you'll do, you'll do one other. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Let me see if I can find it. Pam's email was really, really long. She said, oh, it's right here at the top. Uh, she said, um, as a follow-up to some of the things mentioned in a recent podcast, 
Aside from the activity monitor apps you guys mentioned for iOS, I use an app called App Switch, which is now only $199. It shows CPU and RAM usage, device info, and it shows running processes, including whether or not they're system-based, built-in, or and or multitasking. Plus, it shows a real console log for us geeks, so you can get access to your IO, your iPad or iPhone's console log right there. Uh, she uh, says she uses, uses it to show people just how closing apps uh, can free up memory or resources. Really cool stuff. I, I like that one, too. App, app Switch is, uh, is good stuff. It's cool stuff. And it's been found. So thanks. You got anything there, my friend? No. No. Really? Really? All right. Well, I guess I'll paste this in using my uh, my super secret show notes mm-hmm. snippet. And we'll uh, let's move on to one from the chat room, John. Scott Rich in the chat room says control plane, uh, which is up to version 1.3.2, now works with mountain lion control plane takes over for something we mentioned many, many moons ago and probably many times in cool stuff found called Marco Polo. The idea behind control plane is it allows you to have different um, settings for different environments that you're in. And it's, it uses um, different criteria to, to decide what environment you're in. So you might have a different printer set as the default. If you're at work or if you're at home, well, that can it can look and it can say, well, you know, if you're plugged into this monitor, I think you're at home. So I'm going to go ahead and change this printer and maybe change this setting and maybe change that setting. And it's got all this great stuff right in there. Very, very cool. Uh, it can switch automatically or you can manually switch it. Uh, it can look at things like Bonjour so it can see other things on the networks, um, USB or FireWire devices that are connected so it can it can use its sensors that way. You can have it change your Wi-Fi network. You can have it change your sleep or wake time. You can have it you can have it do all sorts of stuff. So go ahead and check it out. Controlplaneapp.com. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's free. So thanks, Scott Rich. Right there from the chat room. Good stuff. You got anything for me, John? Oh, I see another one here in the chat room. I just started looking at. Yeah, go. Oh, I like the name's funny too. <laughs> Drop it to me. I just think sock it to me. <laughs> you know, remember? Uh, I do. Laughing and Nixon and all that. Sock it to me. Right? I do. But yeah, drop it to me. So apparently, it is a uh, drop. Real Dropbox for Dropbox. Yeah, so that's what he says here. So Timothy uh, says this. Yeah, you just learned about Drop It To Me service that connects with Dropbox and creates a true Dropbox. And I guess it, it, it provides a way that people can only submit. And I guess not, not fucks around and do other things in a folder. Because uh-huh. of course you can share folders, and that's what you and I do. I guess this just allows a one-way conversation. Uh-huh. Like setting up a write-only folder. Interesting. So, and even even with that, and it looks like it's a donationware, so it looks like it's free service and of course, I guess it goes through their servers or their software, so you got to trust them. So it's yeah, it's um, web based. It's at dropit2.me. That's cool. Ah, I see. So they can go yeah, right like in, that. right into the web, blast it, and good to go. Huh? So I have to give them a shot. Well, that's pretty good. Seventy-five megs is the maximum file size per upload. That's pretty good. 
I like that. Thanks, Timothy. That's uh, that's good. Drop it to me. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's see where we are here, John. Let me find. Let me find our agenda. Wow, we're not even halfway through our agenda. See how this goes. We have one from Robin, which is another cool stuff found reprise uh, in that we've mentioned it before. Robin says, I have a great tip for anyone with a large iTunes library and an internal drive that cannot contain it all. My iTunes library is way too big for my internal drive on my retina MacBook pro. Yes, John, I have one and it is a brilliant machine. I love USB three speed and two Thunderbolt ports. Anyway, back to my problem, Robin says, it is mainly my films and TV shows at 850 gigabytes that causes the problem. But I've found a really great solution called TuneSpan available in the Mac App Store. TuneSpan allows you to take some specific files, playlists, or indeed whole categories and span them, i.e. relocate them, onto one or more external drives. And it does this very smoothly and very easily. Once the span is complete, iTunes does not realize the files have moved. And while the drive is attached, it will find and play them perfectly. When the drive's removed, iTunes can't find them, of course, which is not a surprise or an issue, but it will play them fine again when you reconnect the external drive. This is a really great solution, and the author is very responsive and helpful. If you're having this issue, I highly recommend this solution. I looked everywhere for something that would do this, but have finally found exactly what I was looking for. Yeah, that's good stuff. You know, that's something... Uh, it's driven me crazy with uh, with iTunes too because you you know it, it doesn't make sense to have all your your entire iTunes library all your different media in uh, in one spot. So TuneSpan.com you can buy it on on the uh, on the Mac App Store. I'm trying to figure out what the price is on this. It is fourteen ninety nine, and uh, and you can check it all out at TuneSpan.com screenshots and i don't think there's a demo from what i can see here john but uh yeah if you've got a big itunes library that's worth it 15 bucks and you're good to go <laughs> i want to do michael's <laughs> uh you want to do michael's the, oh yeah okay so this isn't so much cool stuff found but it is bad stuff found i love it send us your bad <laughs> We'll have to have a special bad stuff show. <laughs> but no, basically, what he what he what he did. Thank thanks, Michael. So uh, yeah, I don't use this. I guess maybe because I suspected this was the case. But uh, as you see, I thought I passed this along. I, I was a bit surprised. It's the lack of password security with Google Chrome, which is a browser, my preferred browser. I'm finally getting my acting gear after listening to you and Nosilicast with Allison and Bart, and in the process of transitioning all my passwords over to One Password, which I'm very happy with so far. It's part of my transition, and, and then he shows a screenshot. I look at the password saved by Chrome. and was a bit surprised I could easily read the save username and password with no effort at all. But yeah, that's... Well, other than someone has to... Hopefully you password protect your system in another way. But yeah, that, that being able to just launch the browser and look at passwords, yeah, I think that, that that's bad. Um, I'm a uh, LastPass user. Dave, I think you're a one-password user. I am. Um, I think all of them at the very least require you to enter your master password for using their service. And then actually, from what I recall, if you bring up, uh, I like the browser plugin for LastPass. And if you click on, uh, and it puts an icon in your, uh, in your menu bar Yep. and you click on that. And if you want to view a password, I think you have to enter even another password or actually uh, intentionally click on show. And then I think you may have to enter password again, but yeah, I think all of these utilities 
Yeah, one one password. Displaying it. One password. You can change it, uh, but I've got mindset that once I enter my password, it stays unlocked for an hour, and that's just a convenience thing. Um, and and then after an hour, if I haven't used it. Uh, after an hour of not using one password, uh, it it then locks itself again and it will make me reauthenticate anytime I want to use it, be it in the drop down menu inside my browser using the keyboard shortcut or even going into the app. So I, I find that really handy and uh, and it syncs with Dropbox. So uh, so I've got it on my it's encrypted, of course, but I've got it on my iOS devices, which is really handy when you start using different passwords everywhere because you aren't going to remember them. So it's good stuff. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. It took me a while to get with the program and not put them on a virtual sticky note. Yeah. Now, uh, LastPass also lets you go to use them on your iOS device or get them from your iOS device. Correct. Good. Yeah. So that's the big benefit because sometimes I may want to access a site where I normally have it stored in Safari. But if you're on either a different platform or a different machine, you may not recall either the you know complex password that it generates which i typically don't do that i'll enter really uh why not i i mean i i do it i I, and it there are passwords that i still would like to use on some services from memory i make them i think sufficiently complex or different so that if you know one you're not going to figure out all of them okay Fair enough. Yeah, I There's can see that. There's just a couple sure. where I want to do that. Um, yeah. Others, like so, some others, you know, if I forget and then uh, they do, uh, you know, a temporary issuance, like, oh, you forgot your password. Well, here's a new one that's, you know, very messed up. I'll, I'll be like, ah, okay, I'll, I'll put that in the, uh, you know, the, the LastPass database and then I'll, I'll stick with that for from now on. So slowly but surely. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. But yeah, it's definitely. And, and yeah, I, I know I've seen one password has an iOS app as well, which I guess there's a. Yeah, similar service. You can either just use it for reference or log into sites through iOS. Can yeah, it's it's yeah, they they built a browser right into the software so you can you can do it right there and it all stays secure and uh it's good. It I, I love it the way that it works. It's uh um, right, I haven't fully uti- I, I haven't fully investigated how LastPats does it on iOS, so I'll have to look at that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious. You know, while we're on the uh, rant wagon here with uh, with Mike, I'm going to I'm going to jump down to Brent. So, John, you are you on a machine that you've updated to Mountain Lion? My MacBook Pro. Yes. OK, so go into system preferences for me. Would you I already please? looked at this and it did not do it to me. It did not. OK, so I'm checking this machine here, which uh, I um, what we're talking about is Brent writes. He says, uh. I upgraded to Mountain Lion after 10.8.1 was released, and I was surprised to see that the guest account was enabled. Before upgrading, the account was disabled, and the system preference dialog was locked. It was still locked after upgrading. However, the guest account was wide open. I just thought that your listeners should be reminded to turn off this account. So uh, it did exist this way for me on my iMac in the office. It does not exist this way for me here in the studio, and I don't think I had intentionally turned it off. But go ahead and uh, and if you've upgraded to Mountain Lion, go ahead and system preferences, go to users and groups and just look at the list. If it says guest disabled, then you're good. If uh, it says anything other than disabled, you might want to take a look. There are essentially two options. There is allow guests to log into this computer and allow guests to connect to shared folders. Both of those were checked for me on the iMac downstairs. So, uh Oh. Yeah, that's kind of funky. Um, 
And it's even funkier that it's not doing it on some machines. So, yeah, I specifically look now. I wonder if it's. What controls that is, is that locked like a toggle? Like if you leave it open, the, uh, the, the change lock. Yeah. I well, wonder if you leave, it's if, a five, it's I think it's a five minute thing. It, what, oh, we're ta- right. what we're talking about is the user interface, um, the little lock that appears in system preferences and, and finder and some other places where you authenticate to change something that requires an administrator user to do it. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that stays unlocked for a period of time once you do it. And I, that time used to be five minutes, I think in like 10.4. I don't know if it's still five and 10.8, but it, it will lock itself after time. So it's good stuff. That's what we're here for. Cool stuff found. I wonder if we're even going to make it through. That our- makes me wonder now how long the lock stays. Locked. I wonder if I, if when I applied the upgrade, I had the lock closed or open or closed. Or well, it would have been, you would have been unlocked because you have to authenticate as root mm. in order to, it's a system wide thing, right? Once you, once you've authenticated as root, I think it, it stays that way. Like I said, I thought it was five minutes, but it, I don't know. It may have changed dramatically. So Sarah writes with a, a tip. She says, here's a tip. So I, that I'm so pleased to share having discovered it today. Cycle between open documents in pages. It's so frustrating to have to search the active documents and much, much easier to toggle between the multiple open documents and pages. And here's the solution. Thanks to a discussion I found on Apple's discussion board. The simple solution is hold the Apple key and press the uh, apost- the, the backwards apostrophe. So it's the, the one that depending on your keyboard on her, it's between Z and left shift. Uh, on mine, it's actually to the left of the one key on the number bar. So it depends on what, uh, what keyboard you have, but the, uh, the, the backwards apostrophe, if you will. And that will cycle between documents. She said, note that the key the writer refers to is not located on the current MacBook pro keyboard in the place he mentions. She's referring to the, the discussions there. I wanted to share this with you on the Mac geek cam. And so thanks, Sarah. That's good stuff. We like those tips. Naturally, quick one. So oh. this actually came up at, at, at the new job. I was helping a colleague uh, working on some visual basic for applications and, and how to debug it. But then at one point, I hit a few keys to cycle among the applications on Windows, which on Windows, I believe, is Alt-Tab. And this person was like, how'd you do that? That's open applications. Is that what you said? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so they saw a bunch of icons on the screen and then I was marching through the applications running on the machine and, and they were like, how'd you do that? I'm like, you don't know about alt tab. Really? <laughs> so, uh, but just the equivalent, of course, on the Mac, if you don't know that and you may not have come across this, but maybe you have now by listening, uh, Apple tab does the same thing on the Mac. It Com- like Command tab. You- it hasn't been the Apple key in about five years. Well, it's Apple on my keyboard, so. Good for you. It's Apple tab. <laughs> or Clover tab. Yeah. Well, what is that thing really called? But yes, so Clover tab. Oh, and another tip. Uh, if you hold shift, it will rotate in the opposite direction. Oh, you want to know? You, so there's some other things you can do there, too. Uh, you right, can right. Go, you can get go. to one. You know, if you tab through and, and highlight one, like I'm on system preferences now, and you holding keeping the command key down, if you hit Q, it will quit that one. 
And I think there's some other tricks here too. I don't, I only use the, uh, the, the Q one, uh, frequently enough to remember, but there's, there's some others too. I think you can do command H to hide. Oh, let me see if that works. Command H where I think we're still recording. Yeah, it hid. So that's good stuff, man. Command Clover on both my keyboards. So I'll say Clover. It's command. No, it's yeah. it, my keyboard doesn't say command on it, so you're all, wrong. All the new keyboards say command. What is your? Uh, not a, what what keyboard are you using on? I mean, is that the one that came with your Mac Mini, or are you still using an older keyboard? No, no, I uh, I had an incident with one of my keyboards, so I oh, pulled an right. older one out of a box, and uh, that's right. Yeah, it it it's white. I think it came with my G four. But but it's a white keyboard. It has an apple and it says just keyboard. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. But no, right. it's a full keyboard. It has the uh, F13 uh, through F16 on the top. So it's a, it's a full keyboard. Though it doesn't have any tilt. That, that always bothered me when they started taking the tilt. I still miss the Battleship keyboard. Remember the Battleship keyboard? Yeah. If you oh, like the Battleship cool. keyboard, um, let, me, let me make sure. It's from Matthias, I believe. Oh, uh, they they make a, a a battleship keyboard. It's the Tactile Pro is the name of it. And they've got a couple of different versions of it. I think they're up to the Tactile Pro three now. Uh, it's one hundred and fifty bucks, but it is totally built to to act like that Apple extended keyboard. And it's got that clicky, clicky key thing. And uh, yeah, man, I'll, I'll put it in our uh, our chat room. And of course our show notes, but yeah, tactile three, that that's good stuff. If you like that keyboard, now some people hated it. Of course, most people that worked in offices with people that used them hated it because it was so loud, but, uh, but it is, it feels nice and clunky under the fingers. You really feel like you're doing something when you're using that keyboard. So, okay. And also another product that they make. Okay. So we're going up in dollars here, but I also have one of these, uh, that I think I got in one of our goodie bags, uh, the I riser also from them. That is a portable ergonomic stand for your laptop. It basically helps elevate your laptop or act as a stand. And I like it for no other reason than it uh, provides you, uh, hopefully, if you use it right, with some uh, airflow. So your uh, your laptop stays cool. Do you use this with your laptop? Yes. Oh. And you like the, the angle of it up like that? I don't use, I don't put it as at, at, at as an extreme angle as they show in the diagram. Okay. Yeah. You can set it from like 10 degrees to like 50 degrees uh, tilt. And yeah, I, I don't like the extreme. Some people do. I've seen a lot of people like to use their laptop like that, where the keyboard is maybe at like a 45 degree angle and the screen is up. Mm-hmm. And if you're, you know, in your chair and your desk and all that is set up, right. Then that's, that's certainly a way to use it. Cool. This is good. I like this. This is like, you know, ADD fest, but we're just following the thought train, man. Um, Paul has a good, are we good? Are we done with this particular thought train? I believe so. Yes. Paul has a good tip. He said, uh, he upgraded. He says, I had a large external disc with a time machine backup for my old white map, Mac, white MacBook. I finally decided today to enable time machine on the new MacBook air that I had done migration or that I had restored uh, from the white MacBooks backup. I've been doing super duper backups since day one, but I figured it wouldn't hurt to put time machine on there too. When I hooked up this external disc to my MacBook Air and chose it in Time Machine preferences, I was amazed to see an option called 
inherit backup history. It looks like I can combine my old time machine backups with ones going forward. This is low risk since I have many backups of the old white MacBook archived away. I've never seen this advertised or mentioned by Apple. So I thought it was a nice find. That's good stuff. I didn't realize it was doing that. I wonder when that started. Um, see the link I just pasted. Ah. You pay, you pasted a, uh, okay. So when, yeah, but when did this start? Well, actually this, still don't know. this is talking about, this is talking about lion. Yeah. So maybe it started in line. Yeah. Okay. Well, I hadn't seen this either though. It, it seems that time machine gets smarter about seeing an, an older time machine back up and looking at the machine you're on and determining whether it should bring that over. I mean, it used to be you had to do some serious voodoo with changing yeah. the fluids and, and all these invisible files and the UUIDs. And it, it was just a nightmare to force it to bring in a backup that it should have been able to look at and say, oh, I know who you are. I'll, yeah. I'll, you want to continue from here? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Cool stuff. That's awesome. All right. Uh, let's see. Moving on. Oh, I, I have one of my own. It's uh, I didn't. It's not my own. It's one that I added to the list. It's called. It, it's definitely a cool stuff found reprise. But it's one of and yet another one of those things that I cannot live without. It's called Docstar. You know how uh, when you run mail, it shows you the number of new messages as your dock icon. And now in Mountain Lion, actually, you can change that to be the number of messages from your VIPs, or you can point it at a specific folder. It, it defaults to the inboxes, uh, but you can point it specifically. But you still only get one icon. Well, Docstar lets me have up to five icons on my on my mail uh, uh, on my uh, sorry five badges on my mail icon. That's a better way to say it. It's from Ecam Networks, and it's awesome because I have like I actually only have four mailboxes that I need to monitor all the time, and uh, and I just watch them and I can see if anything's there, and it even puts them in the menu bar if I want. I can turn that off, but uh, the ones in the menu, the little badges in the menu bar are handy because when I click on it, it brings me not just to mail, but to that mailbox in mail. So I know I've mentioned it before. I know I'll mention it again. I use it all the time. It's Docstar. I love it. I assume you don't use Docstar, do you? Oh, I like the, the, the It looks pretty. It's cool. You know, it lets me know if there's new stuff in the Mac Geek Gab uh, incoming, you know, things because I have those lit up there too. It's good stuff. I don't think you need the, the sort of distraction. Anymore. Oh no, this is, this is good for me. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, you know, speaking of distractions and badges and all that, there is something I will mention uh, off the cuff here. If you're a Skype user and you communicate with a lot of people on Skype, you might wind up having multi-person uh, rooms on Skype or groups where you've got multiple people talking in the group all the time. Uh, I certainly have that here. And, and my guess is there, there are, I'm not the only one. Well, it can be very distracting if two other people are in the group kind of talking to each other and you don't necessarily need to be a part of that conversation at the moment, but yet Skype is constantly blipping, blipping, blipping at you. So uh, what you can do is go into Skype and the best way I know how to do it is right click on that group and go to notification settings and you'll see that by default, it's set to notify you. You can also set it to not notify you. But the cool part is option number three, which is notify me only if certain words are mentioned. 
So I put things in there that I would want to know about. I mean, one of the things I put there is my name. I put Dave in there. So if somebody says, Hey Dave in the chat room, it, it bings. And I know, ah, I got to go look at this, you know, but I also put some other things in like, you know, depending on the chat room, there's different things. If somebody says, you know, I've got a problem with the server. Uh, I've got a thing in the, you know, that, that, that alerts me to that. I've got, you know, probably half a dozen keywords. And then the, the final thing is you can have it mark unread messages as read immediately. That changes the badge on both Skype in the, in the, uh, in the dock, but also uh, in the chat room list right there in Skype. And, uh, and so you can decide if you, you know, I kind of like it. I don't have it notify me, but I do have it let the badge increase so that I know, Oh yeah, there's stuff out there and I can go look at it whenever I want. So handy, handy stuff. And Skype is, you know, Skype is so cool, but it, the user interface, there's so much stuff that's buried in there and it's done frankly, very, very poorly. Um, and so there's things in there that you just would never notice. Um, one other thing in Skype and then we'll move on to quote Mr. Braun. Uh, when you right click on it, there's all sorts of things in the option. The other one that I use probably most often is add to favorites. If you add a person or a chat group to favorites, it always shows on the screen. It doesn't keep getting rolled out of your recent history. So if there's something, you know, you want to come back to put it in favorites and it floats to the top. So now I'm done with Skype. You got something next for us, John, or <sighs> I, I got more. I can mm. keep going. I'll shred my throat and then I'm, Go to camp tomorrow. Shred it. I'll look at a couple others in the chat room and I'll, I'll follow right. up. So you, you toss one out and then I'll, yeah. Okay. I will leave the ones from the chat room alone then. Um, Karen sent in one. This is kind of cool for people that are uh, podcasters or budding podcasters or really even just interviewers in general. It's an app in the app store for iOS called mobile podcaster. Now, we talked about uh, this as a web thing when it existed way back, uh, I don't know, several months ago. Well, now it's a $1.99 app to Mobile Podcaster, according to the description, lets you record and publish audio recording podcast episodes and publish them straight to your Word, WordPress website right from your iOS device. So you can record the interview or record the podcast if it's just you. Blast it right out there. And for $1.99, that's pretty cool if you've got your own little WordPress website, which you can set up pretty easily. You can, uh, you know, you can create little audio. You can even do like a little, you know, one minute audio snippet and put it on your website and it's there and people can subscribe. So mobile podcaster, good stuff. I like to see things like this. And I believe this one was made by a Mac Geek Cab listener, which is even better. We like that. Whoa. Yeah, I know. What do you got? Uh well, I see some here. I'll mention them. Go. Uh, I'm not quite sure why this is. Well, in the chat room here. So Mac guy, yoink. Yannick. Oh, Yannick. Yannick. All right. Uh, what does Yannick do? No, it is. No, it is yoink. Y-O-I-N-K. That would be yoink. All right. Zoink, right? Zo yoink, helps, <laughs> yeah, yoink helps making drag and drop between Windows apps, spaces, and full screen apps on Lion easier. Okay. Say that again. Now, now tell me what it really does. It, uh, that's all it says for the description. I haven't tried it yet. So well, it was in the chat room. So yeah. I'm trying to figure why, uh, why you need help. Oh, dragging files and contents of applications between spaces and full screen apps can be cumbersome. Yes, it can. 
So yeah, oh, okay. if you've got I don't have multiple screens, so well, but, <laughs> but, speak to this. but yeah, but no, no, no. Even if you've got a single screen, so this is great for the 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 laptop user that's doing full screen stuff in in Lion or Mountain Lion. It's a pain in the neck when you're trying to drag something from one app to another uh, oh. because you can't. You know, it's you don't have all the windows up. So uh, apparently, Yoink makes that easier. Oh, it's got like a little trough on the side of the screen that you drag the stuff to. Then you jump to your other space and you drag the stuff back in. Oh, oh there we go. Okay. No, there's a movie now. There wasn't a movie when I went to the page first. I think it was still loading it. Okay. That's pretty cool. Oh, Ooh, I like that. Two ninety nine in the app store. Oh, it's kind of like a dock. Yeah. It's just like a little, yeah, a, a trough on the side of the screen. Yeah. Trough. You like trough. Why, why, why do you say trough? You know why I say trough? When I lived in Texas, uh, my friend Murray Woods, who uh, he's a great guitar player, I actually played with him for a number of years. Maybe we'll play one of his tunes as an interlude music on the on the live stream. But anyway, he uh, you know, he was raised in Texas. Actually, he was raised all over, but he was, you know, mostly a Texas boy. And uh, he had a Windows machine and he would always call the thing down by the clock, you know, at the bottom of the screen where all the icons would show up in like, you know, in, in mm -hmm. Windows. He called that the trough. And anytime I was on the phone with him, he'd say, "Yo, you know, I got this new icon down in my trough down there. <laughs> and it just stuck. I liked it. So, oh, that's the cis tray. I know it's the cis well, tray, was, but you know, this was technically, the yeah, trough. it's the trough so, and the hogs, right? You know, he, he was, was raised, the his, his dad was a cattle rancher on the farm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he probably, yeah. I, I don't know if I've ever actually seen a real trough in person. So, oh, really? We had a trough. We had a water trough. For our horses, we had horses on the property when we lived down there. I kind of miss oh, that. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Good eating. No, you don't eat the horses. I mean, we didn't. We rode the horses. Mostly Lisa, but I rode occasionally. I had I had my own horse. I had a I had my own saddle even. But I it was rode a horse when I visited you last, which was ages ago. Yeah, I got to come and Oh, we did. We had a horse here in New Hampshire too. That's right. I remember we all went horse riding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was different. That was in Vermont. We rented horses. Oh, Vermont, yeah. And rode through the mountains. That horse I was on was like 15 feet wide. That was really... <laughs> and I had Lucas, my son, on my lap. That was not comfortable at all. Uh, uh, and I'll it just... Made leave, me, I'll leave it, it at that. Me, it made me remember why you want to have a saddle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, Especially if you're a guy. We'll leave it at that. All right, Scott, save us. Scott has a uh, Scott has a tip. I think I can't find it now. Oh no! Really? I have to come to the rescue here. Uh, if somebody does, I don't have it. I don't have Scott's thing. We got to move on. We'll go. Oh, to I didn't. No, you missed one of Scott's. Yeah, there there were two Scott questions, and there's only one. Yeah, I, we'll move on to Pilot Pete. He has uh, two things. The first one is if t -t 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 -t. in other words. IFTTT.com, which is short for if this, then that. And it's a cool thing. It allows you to set triggers and then have actions performed by the triggers. And it's all done on this web uh, service. So you, you don't have to run a server or anything. They're running the server. So you can say, you know, if anyone adds, um, uh, a, a photo to this folder or to this website, you want to add the URL to your Dropbox or various other things. Pete, uh, Pete says, 
if you're looking for something on Craigslist, IFTTT keeps tabs and sends you a text or an email when a new item matching your search criteria is added. He says, I recently found a boat this way. That's how he found his boat. He got a new boat. Uh, and he says, and apparently beat two other lookers to the boat. It's a nice looking boat, too. He got a good deal on it. So uh, IFTTT saved him a bundle or lost him a bundle because he bought the boat. Um, he says, another example is call a phone number, dictate a message, and IFTTT will transcribe it and put it in a text file in your Dropbox folder. Dude, that's pretty cool. I think I have an account here. It's been a while since I've, since I've used this, but this looks familiar. Had you heard of this before, John? Had, I think we talked about it. Hello? I never, yeah, I, th- I think I've heard of it. I know people that use it. Yeah. I, I never really dabbled with it. The most I do is reroute my Twitter to Facebook. It's crazy as I get. You know, I stopped doing that um, because I didn't want everything I posted to Twitter posted to Facebook. But there are many I things think. that I post to Twitter that I would like to post to Facebook. But the thing is, it maybe it's not this way now, but all the automated things were, would hide all my posts on Facebook for most people because, it, you know, it saw it as like an automated bot kind of thing. And so they, they would get deprioritized. So I started using Twitter as my Twitter com, uh, client, which is uh, written by Andrew Stone of stone design software. And, uh, it will, uh, it's mainly a Twitter client, but when you post something, you have the choice of posting it to Twitter only, or also to Twitter and Facebook. So that's uh yet more cool stuff found. And, and if you haven't messed with Twitter later, it's cool. Um, if you're looking at, uh, photos, they appear in line and you can kind of squeeze them out right there in the, uh, in, in the, in the, in the view, you just sort of, the photos bet- appear between each tweet and you tap it and it just sort of grows. And there's the photo. It's cool stuff. It, it's, it's really, really smooth and slick. I, uh, I really like it. So and I think it's, uh, there's a free version. And then I think the paid version is forget it's like three bucks. I mean, it's not very much, so it's good stuff. It's my, it's my preferred Twitter client. All right, I got to shake my fist here. Good. There's more bad stuff found. You ready? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. So Airware, is that who? Is that who? In, yeah, Airware in, the, in, our, in our chat room. Yeah, the, I, I was trying this uh, gesture, and it works on mountain lines. Slide two fingers. Starting, uh, I didn't quite understand what they meant at first, but then I saw the animation. Okay. But, uh, slide two fingers starting from off your trackpad. In, in other words, uh, the body of the machine. <laughs> Okay. So like the, the, the wrist where you normally put. Yeah. So basically start. Uh, Cause I'm like, wait, that, that's, that's not right. You don't do that. Well, yeah, for this you do. Slide two fingers starting from off your trackpad and then move to the left. Okay. So, so put your fingers to the right of the trackpad and then two fingers uh, move to the left. Okay. That brings up the notification center. Isn't that neat? Oh, that's pretty cool. Huh. But then that led me to the uh, trackpad menu available from system preferences in the hardware section. And there are three categories of clicks here. Now, here's what got me, though. So there's point and click, scroll and zoom, and more gestures. And I think one of the first things I did when I moved to line was change the swipe between pages back to three fingers because they changed that in Lion. Yeah, but did they change that because you're yeah. using three fingers to, to, to go from uh, full screen app to full screen app? I think that. Or maybe it's whatever. Uh, anyways, they changed something that used to be a certain way. Yep. And the three fingers would, would do a page back. Okay. Page forward. 
and then they changed it to something else, but you could change it back here. But I just noticed that looking at the different gestures in, in this uh, prep pane, some have a down arrow, which indicates you can change them. And again, fortunately, swipe between pages is one of them, uh-huh. but many do not. So some have two or three options. Some maybe have one other option. You see what I'm saying here? But it, yeah. what infuriates me is that not all the gestures have a pull down that lets you change them to something else. Like, who does Apple think they are telling you what a gesture should mean? <laughs> Apple, is, Apple is not afraid of change. I am. Though. I know. No, I, yeah, that, right. I, I know this. Yeah, but that's why they give you the choice to change it back. If you're, if you're geeky enough and comfortable enough tweaking things, then they're happy to, at, at least in this case, let you. I need stability in my life. I know. I can't have the company that makes my operating system change gestures every every uh, 18 months. They change stuff all the time. <laughs> I know. Hey, uh, I, I, Look at that time. I, I was looking on TMO actually to pull up an article about the next thing I want to mention. And I noticed uh, just in the middle of recording this show, uh, we posted an article that says Oracle patched the Java zero day vulnerability. So nice. Yeah. Wow. Wow, that's it's good. Hey, that's service. That's, that's service. right. That's right. Um, but what I was going to mention was that this morning we ran something that sort of made me sort of happy. GIMP uh, became native for the Mac. Now, I'll explain what that means. And, and there's two things to talk about. First, what is GIMP? It is a it, I think it started life as a Photoshop clone, essentially an open source Photoshop clone for X windows. So essentially built for for Unix machines uh, running an X Windows environment. But you could always run X Windows on your Mac and then run GIMP on it. Now GIMP has a native application, but it's worth remember. It's worth knowing that it is not truly a native Mac app. It is in that it's self-contained bundle. But when you run it and you start opening Windows, especially file dialogues, you immediately are made aware that this is not using any standard Mac UI stuff. It's still using, I, I assume X 11 underneath, but, um, but it is cool and it's free and it's a really powerful image editor. Uh, it is, you know, there are people that, that prefer it over Photoshop and do a lot of heavy lifting in it. So, um, Oh yeah, I've used it. And of course, yeah. GIMP, GIMP stands for GNU image manipulation program. Oh, so it's a recursive acronym. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's good stuff. <laughs> I remember what I used it for one time, and this is one of my favorite tools. So at one point, I wanted to get involved in some of these Photoshop contests where somebody posts a photo, and then the, the challenge is to uh, cut things out or paste things in and make it make it laughable or hilarious or disgusting, whatever, but, <laughs> but change it. But one part of that is being able to cut, you know, either people or animals or shapes and cut them out from a photo and apply them to another. And now there's two ways to do that. One, especially if it's a complex shape, like a person's head or something like that, that you don't want to sit there going pixel by pixel, cutting something out of uh, something else. Right. Right. Well, this is where I found the tool. And I think it's in most of these programs called the magnetic lasso. Um, and it's basically a smart lasso. So you know what the lasso does, but again, the lasso, you, you know, you can, you can go pixel by pixel. It'll take forever for you to cut something out. Yeah. Or the lasso, the magnetic lasso, or at least when I used it, was usually smart enough to hug the outline of something that you were trying to, to pull out of one image and put it and paste into another. So. Cool. 
There you go. That's good stuff. All right. I got one last thing before we, uh, before we'll, we'll run ourselves out of here. And that is, uh, I bought two of these on Tuesday. Then Amazon actually delivered them yesterday. Um, for 55 bucks a piece, I bought uh, two APC backups 550s. These are UPS's battery backups uh, for your, well, really for anything, but I've got them plugged into my Macs. I was being stupid. Uh, I never had a, a battery backup on the, the iMac in the office. I had I had it in one, but it, the battery had died on it, and it was really, really old. And it really didn't work. Uh, and the one in the studio started getting flaky. But for 55 bucks, getting 550 volt amps, which I think translates to uh, 300 watts, John, you'll do the math for me, please. Uh, volt amps? What? Yeah, that's how that's how UPSs are all measured in, in volt amps. So not million hours. No, that's how other people measure batteries. Oh, uh, right. yeah. But it's the amount of power it can push out at any one point in time. Right, right, right. Yeah. Which is why it has to be volt amps. Um, but uh but it's got eight outlets on it, four of which are protected by the battery, four of which are just surge protected. Uh, but uh, it's also got Ethernet uh, protection on it. So you run your Ethernet cable into that and then another cable out of it. And it comes with the cable uh, to go up to your Mac and protects your Mac from that. And as someone who has experienced far more lightning damage than anyone ever should, uh, I can tell you that DC current DC devices are far more susceptible to lightning damage than AC devices. And that means that your ethernet port can get blown out before your Mac would blow up. Uh, but of course it then means you have a non-working ethernet port connected directly to your Mac's motherboard, which is not good. So, uh, so being able to protect your ethernet is good. If you're going to do that, I recommend protecting the ethernet uh, coming out of your cable modem, because that way, if your cable modem gets gets fried, it it everything all right over there, John? Yeah, you're, you're yep. crunching. All right, good. Uh, but uh, but th- this thing, uh, it's great. It's also got a USB port on it, which you can plug into your Mac. And both of my Macs immediately saw what this was, and then added a tab in uh, System Preferences Energy Saver called UPS, and What's cool is there's a shutdown options there in that tab, and you've got three different criteria that you can set uh, as to when your Mac will shut down. And you can wait until the UPS totally runs out of power and your Mac just dies, but that's not so good. Better to have your Mac shut down safely before the UPS runs out of power. And you can say, you know, shut it down when there's only four minutes left on the UPS or shut down when the battery level is below a certain percentage or shut down when I've been on the UPS for more than 10 minutes, something like that. And you can mix and match all these parameters. It's not, they're, they're not mutually exclusive. So really, really uh, great and uh, plenty of power to run a computer and, and peripherals. In fact, everything that we're doing for the show here is, is being run via this thing. I have power right now, but, uh, but if the power were to flicker while we were doing the show, I'd be able to keep going. And my Mac would be safe. So for 55 bucks from Amazon, um, I, I figured these things are worth mentioning in the show. It's not that maybe, maybe double the price of a good surge protector. But, uh, but with this, you get the battery backup too. And one of the things that um, it's not so much surges that I've seen break AC equipment. It's uh, it's when you get brownouts, which is when the power goes out for a split second and comes back. If it goes out for like 10 minutes and comes back, Typically, that's not so much a problem, 
Uh, the stuff shuts down fine. It waits. It comes back up. Everything's okay. When it's out for, you know, half a second and comes back, that's when your computer just hasn't finished, you know, draining all its power that maybe the hard drive's still spinning. Uh, and then bam, it's like, you know, it's got this jolt of power back into it. That's what this really helps to smooth out. So I highly recommend them. These are working well for me. I've used APC stuff before. You can use whatever brand you want, but, uh, these are the ones I got. You want to, uh, I, I guess we should bring the, uh, I guess we should bring the band in here, John. I think it's, I think it's that time. So my nippy out. Yeah. Man, it's not that cold out. I'm going to be sleeping in a cabin for the next, uh, not tonight, but the next three nights after that. We're going to family camp, man. I'm going to be doing archery and ropes course and sailing. Family and, camp. Yeah, it's awesome. We do this every Labor Day. This will be the fourth year we've done it. Wow. It's so cool because it's, it's a nice end of summer thing for us. But it I means like you're going to summer camp. It, it's totally that. And in fact, it's at a summer camp that for the rest of the summer has kids, you know, 400 kids there all summer long or whatever. And, uh, summer camp was terrifying. Yeah, but what's cool oh, you is you didn't go to the same one. I no, no. But what's cool about this is you get a whole cabin for your essentially for the four of us, for our family, we'll sure. get an entire cabin. So we have like 12 beds and. You know, it's it. We love it, and they, you know, they're a lot looser at, at family camp because there's adults there. So they let us, ha- you know, we stay up till midnight and have a fire going. And uh, oh, that reminds me, I got to bring fire starters. It's a pain in the neck trying to find wet wood and wet paper and light a fire. Nobody needs to go through that trouble. I got a truckload of fire starters in the house. I'm just going to bring a bunch with me this year. Great. Yeah. So anyway, while you're at camp, maybe I should watch your place. Come watch my place. Uh-oh. What was that? That was weird. That's not good. That was Yojimbo uh, locking. This Mac, I don't know. Something's weird on this. I might, I, I might not have should have upgraded it to Lion. It's on Mountain Lion now, which is better than when it was on Lion, but something's flaky. Anyway, yeah, you still a, with me? I, I think so. Yeah, I got to okay. upgrade my... Uh, maybe I'll upgrade my Mini while you're away. That's cool. To uh, Lion. Cool. Good thing I burned it to DVD because you can't get it in the store no more. Oh, yeah, that's right. You can't download Lion anymore. Yeah. Pain in the neck. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Wait, wow. wait, wait. Slow down. You said you were going to upgrade your mini to Lion? No, no. Yes. Skip skip Lion. Go straight to Mountain Lion, man. I wouldn't do no, Lion. No, no, no. If you rely on your mini to podcast with, with me every week, I don't. But don't then put, I'll only have one OS on both my machines. Yeah, but run run VMware parallels and and you can have Lion running virtually in there. But uh, man, I, don't do the upgrade to Lion. That's a that's a disaster waiting to happen. Skip no. Lion. Go straight to Mountain Lion. Okay. There's you a reason so. it's not in the store anymore. That's my yeah. professional advice. Well, you know, Dave, if. If I had a question, you know, about that, like, should I install an operating system like Lion over Snow Leopard? Yeah. You know what? One thing that I would do is I would send an email. And the place that I would send it to is feedback at MacGeekGab.com. You said feedback at MacGeekGab.com? <sighs> I most certainly did. 
say feedback at MackieGab.com. You know, if you're a premium listener, and I should note that the thing that we're planning on doing Monday night when this show comes out, i.e. upgrading TMO both on the front end and the back end, that will bring the new system online and will allow us to do kind of instate all the things that we've talked about doing with the with the premium offering. But if you're premium now or premium then, you can email premium at MacGeekab.com just for you. Premium at MacGeekab.com. I said premium Let's, at MacGeekab.com. That's right. That's good. You can also pick up the horn or telephone. <laughs> I prefer the horn. <laughs> Me too. Or a Vuvuz, uh, whatever that is. A Vuvuzela? Vuvuzela, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. It gets awesome. people very angry. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... 206-666-GEEK, which it is. 4335. You can also Skype us, which we talked about in the show. You can Skype us to MacGeekGab. We get any audio comments you send there sent straight to us. You can find us on Twitter. He's John F. Braun. I'm Dave Hamilton. The show is MacGeekGab. The guy that's not here is Pilot Pete. And Mac Observer is Mac Observer. Facebook.com slash MacGeekGab. And uh, and that's where you can sign up. In fact, I highly recommend you sign up and like us there at Facebook if you're so inclined. Or follow us on Twitter, one or the other. Uh, that is where we post event notifications for these live shows. And the next one, I think, normally we are trying our darndest to do these at approximately you know 9 p.m. start on Sunday nights, Eastern Time. Obviously, that's not happening this week. And it's also not going to happen on the, what is it, the, the, the 9th. Yeah, I think we're going to wind up doing it Sunday morning. And again, we'll put an, an announcement out there. But uh, after that, we'll be back to our schedule. But uh, just wanted to let you know. And I think that does it. I think we're, I think we're allowed to, to put this one in the can, as it were. We can thank Michael Johnston from We Have Communicators for converting this show and all our shows to AC, and also for designing all the uh, graphics that you'll see in the, Mac, the upcoming MacGeekab iOS app. Thank Cashfly.com for their bandwidth. And everybody in the podcast marketplace, BB Edit from Barebones Software, Text Expander 4 from Smile, and of course Gazelle to sell your old iPhone before the new one comes out. Have a great one, folks. I hope you had, if you are in the U.S., I hope you had a great Labor Day weekend. Have a good one. And don't get caught. Yeah. Made up.